Welcome back to Section 247's The Goal Line Stand. All football, all the time. Presented, as always, from the Michaels Glass Company studio. Michaels Glass Company serving the Philadelphia Tri-State area since 1978. 215-338-3293. Tell them Mike and Brett sent you. Go check out our daily fantasy sports partner, Thrive Fantasy Sports, and the Thrive Fantasy app. ThriveFantasy.com to download the app, and that's in Google Play and Apple Store. Use code SEC247 and take advantage of the promo, a variety of different things. It's matching deposits, it's bonus money, it's fun stuff. Tell them we sent you and prop up. I am Michael Lipinski, joined, as always, by Brett Halpern. And hey, Brett, Doug Peterson and I, we have a lot in common. We were yeah, employed by the Eagles. Yeah, sorry, I, I totally like ruined your uh, your line there. But we were both fired. Yeah. We, we were both fired, and it's okay because you know, I I feel for Doug Peterson. I really do. You could tell that Doug Peterson, as a guy, think he's working for an owner that doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't have a feel for the, for the rest of his team, for his organization. He's out of touch. He thinks he knows what he's doing, but he's out of touch. You have a general manager slash vice president who's a meddling fool who just gets involved in everything and then deflects the blame to everybody else. I feel for him. I get it. It seems like there's a lack of emotional maturity going around the organization. That's a, a good choice of words by you. Uh, Doug, yeah, I, emotional maturity. What else? Uh, the gold standard no longer there. Uh, not much of a quarterback factory. It, it's chaos and confusion. I said this months ago on this program. Doug Peterson wasn't coming back. Yeah, and I said you were crazy, so I guess I'm You did I'm say crazy. that I was crazy. Now, what you didn't know is I have some inside scoops to this thing. But as a student of journalism, you know, I, I did take journalism and communications for the first year of my 15-year college career. Uh, I say that in jest. It wasn't that long. It was not. I understand that you need three sources, traditionally speaking, from a traditional standpoint. So uh, I never ran with it. But the, the reports are coming out now that Doug Peterson is going to be taking some time off and and whatnot from football. I have a text message from a, a, a source close to the Peterson situation, and this occurred the minute it was fired. I, I sent it right away. You know, uh, what's going on? Doug is tired. Doug is angry. Doug wants to just go away. Doug might retire. Doug might take some time off. The family just bought a house in Jupiter, Florida. He's going to go down there, to which I responded, yeah, it's not a bad deal. Go down to Jupiter, hang out on the water, play some golf. Sure beats Morristown. Well, wasn't Morristown actually ranked the number one place to live in America? It's cold. It's cold up here. I, am, I understand. Well, look, if we start arguing about which town is better, we're going to go down a, a political rabbit hole, which we probably shouldn't. Either way, honestly, God bless for Doug uh, Peterson. Uh, I think he he's earned the right to do whatever he wants, um, which is interesting because you know a lot of the reporting since the firing has sort of shed light on the fact that, given the fact that Doug Peterson was the coach that brought the Eagles their only Super Bowl championship, he never really seemed to then get 
the authority and clout within the organization that typically comes from winning. I'm not necessarily saying you win the championship and suddenly you get all personnel control, but it seems as if he was still being um, controlled and handled by Howie Roseman, by ownership uh, in a manner not um, in a manner that was not uh, suited for someone of of the stature that he attained. Right? You get what I'm saying? It, I, it, I it seemed like it was, it was too much to micromanagement. I think that comes back to how Doug Peterson was hired. Doug yeah. Peterson, if you remember correctly, during after the Eagles fired Chip Kelly, there was uh, what Gus Bradley. There was you know they were tracking airplanes. There was Adam Gates. Jesus, thank God that didn't happen. There were all these guys. Doug was like choice number five. And the thought process was, uh, the thought at the time, I should say, was, oh, he is, he's a puppet. Doug yeah. is the puppet. He's the Andy Reid guy. He's Andy Reid 2.0. And yeah. he's just going to be a puppet for the organization. Little did they, I think the Eagles know that the puppet would push back a little bit. Uh, there's the report that Doug, that the Eagles wanted to fire Frank Reich before the Super Bowl season. Yeah. And Doug fought against it. And obviously we know what occurred there. The the report coming out as regards to why this whole thing blew up now was that Doug Peterson wanted to promote Press Taylor to offensive coordinator and someone within the organization whether that be Howie obviously Jeffrey Lurie is involved here probably way too much wasn't on board with that. So I think what you saw was a, a coach that was trying to get that next step, get that Andy Reid in Philadelphia type, that Bill Belichick, I won you a title, I need a little bit more of a say here. And it just wasn't going to happen. The organization just wasn't going to allow it to occur. Yeah, it, it seems as if he was treated <laughs> like that fifth choice his entire career. And that's really problematic. Yeah. Now, now let's talk about his entire career in Philadelphia. Let's talk about his legacy. I, I mean, it, it, it can be summed up. It's Super Bowl champion. I mean, yeah. that's what it is. We can look at it, and we've talked offline. And I, you know, take out the Super Bowl year. It, Doug is a mediocre coach, but three playoff appearances, three playoff appearances in five years, a, a pandemic, and a Super yeah. Bowl championship is pretty good. You know right. what? I, it, it is pretty good. And beyond that, I would say you, you never, there's no need to take out the equation or, or make this more complicated. He brought you the Lombardi. Simple enough. That's, you know, it's what this, it's what every team plays for. It's what every fan base craves for. And, you know, he was the one that brought it to the city of brotherly love. It, you know, I mean, look, in a way you would say Andy Reid deserved it. You you could say Dick Vermeil deserved it. They didn't get it done. Doug no, Peterson. Doug, I mean, look, you, and Doug you can make the argument. A statue. Yeah. From, from Budweiser, but a statue nonetheless. Look, you can make the arguments, well, look, he had Frank Reich. You can make them. But guess what? At the end of the day. 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, Doug Peterson was the head coach that brought the city of Philadelphia its first Super Bowl championship. And that, in the end, that's really all you're going to need to know about his tenure. And Absolutely. it shouldn't, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, for sake of discussion, we could analyze a lot more things. But I, I think, you know, even as an outsider, I think in the end, you can't lose sight of that, and you have to give a guy credit for that. Uh, and also, I would say that in general, I think he was a respectable guy uh, and handled himself, um, you know, generally with class. I can't really even think of an instance where you know you're kind of. I mean, other than maybe his last, uh, the last quarter of his coaching career. Um, where I was a little peeved at him. Uh, but other than that, you know, I, I can't really think of anything that was really um, offensive or anything. You know, he's a, he, he's a, you know, he's not a dynamic personality, though, right? So he's a ho-hum guy and heck, one, brought you the trophy. So. I, I I agree. I, I mean, that's what it comes down to. He, this is a this is a, a city and an area and a fan base that holds, and I'm one of them. Buddy Ryan in high regard. Yeah, you know, Buddy Ryan as boisterous and as much of a personality as he was, he really didn't do anything here in Philadelphia. No, I mean he the, the I mean he he got you uh, three wins away. Great. Andy Reid got the Eagles uh, three points away, you know? Yeah. So when it comes down to it, if you had to say to me, who's the greatest Eagles coach of all time, am I going to say Doug Peterson? No, it's probably Andy Reid, number one, Doug Peterson, number two. Uh, Argument can be made. Doug won the championship. It's Doug. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, I think you're right that, you know, there is more nuance to assessing who was the best coach. Uh, and also, I guess, it, you know, there's also a lot of nuance to evaluating the Buddy Ryan era because he was limited by uh, an, a different kind of ownership and and with the general manager and their lack of ever trying to build an offense. And then Randall Cunningham injuries. That's we're, we're, I'm sure we we're going down a route. We can save that. Yeah, for later. Yeah. Let, let, let's talk about. The, the situation here in Philadelphia. Let's take a look about it. This is going to, and by the way, if you were listening to this on the goal line stand, we appreciate it. This is also going to be cross-aired on Section 247 show as part of an Eagles discussion. So uh, wherever you're listening to it, at GL Stand Show on all social or at SEC 247 show on all social, uh, we appreciate it. Moving forward, so so what happens? The Eagles need to have a coach. They're losing guys left and right. Jim Schwartz gone. Doug Peterson gone. Uh, assistants are are dropping like flies. Going back to college, um, I saw Jeff Stoutland is going back to Alabama. God damn it, Kyle Flood strikes again. He ruined my college fandom. And and, and then you're going to go. You're going to become the offensive coordinator at Texas of all places. And then you're taking in a line coach. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, anyway. Well. Kyle Flood sucks. The the Eagles are are going to need a new coach. Names yeah. are out there. They're fast and furious. As of us recording this, uh, the Eagles have officially interviewed uh, Joe Moore, offensive coordinator from the Panthers. Uh, Robert, what is it? Sally Sala Sala from the defensive coordinator from the 49ers. They have requested Kellen Moore. Offensive coordinator from the Dallas Cowboys. They made overtures to Lincoln Riley, and he smartly said, "Get as far away from me as he possibly can." Uh, th- every name, every name that's out there is out there, right? Uh, Brian Dable, Eric Bieniemy. We're going to get to him in, in, in a little bit because there's interesting news about him. If you're a coach, if you're an up and coming coach, and you just you see what happened here, right? 
you can look back over the past 10 years, they gave Chip Kelly power and it wasn't going right. And maybe he wasn't the right guy for it. And they, they shit candle quick. Yeah. Doug Peterson comes in, wins a Super Bowl, and they shit can him. You see that there is a general manager slash vice president who is an, an inept buffoon. Unless it's the salary cap, he has no idea what he's doing. There's a meddling owner. Why would you want to come to Philadelphia? I well, I wouldn't. I, I think though you when you so when you initially asked that, you mentioned an up-and-coming coach. I think it honestly, I feel as if the Eagles are gonna have to find not the diamond diamond in the rough isn't necessarily the right term because all these guys are qualified, but I feel as if they're gonna end up with one of the lesser candidates or, or the not as hot commodity. Because they're gonna, come, they're gonna get their fifth choice again. Well, look, sometimes the fifth choice works out. So you know, I mean, you know, the case of uh, the Cherry Hillies coaching search in 1998, it didn't. But sometimes it works out, you know. So, the, but the problem is that it's a bad situation in terms of management. It's a bad situation in terms of personnel. It's a terrible situation in terms of, of cap space. So for that those reasons, it to me, completely objectively speaking, it is the least attractive of all the positions, maybe the Lions, just because it's the Lions. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree with you. I think the Lion. I think the Lions are probably the worst because they're Detroit. Yeah, but, but you, there's things you can work with there. Yeah, they have some nice suburbs. So, so let's take a look uh, at some of the. Let's just take a look at some of the other names that are out there. Eric Bieniemy, who we mentioned, there is a rumor that Eric Bieniemy might not get hired again. Yeah, uh, due to the, a potential Chiefs Super Bowl run, and Eric Bieniemy looking for the quote unquote right spot. I think this goes back to what you and I discussed and your theory a couple weeks ago that Eric Bieniemy. Why would you, if Andy Reid's going to step aside anytime soon? Yeah, you're the heir apparent there. Yeah. Why the hell would you go anywhere else? Yeah, exactly. You're going to have this guy named Patrick Mahomes right. as your quarterback for the next nine, eight, nine years. That is, to me, it's if I'm Eric Bieniemy, the best thing for my career. Obviously, you always want to win, but to win uh, this year, and then you know when you're congratulating, when you're giving uh, Big Red a hug, is a hell of a run, Coach. You know, enjoy retirement. You know, and kind of just edge them on, and and at that point, I think the team is yours. Yeah, I, I agree with you, uh, Brian Dable, uh, coordinator out of Buffalo. I I don't. They haven't inter- the Eagles haven't requested him. In- interesting. I, what I think you're going to have happen here, the names that you're hearing a lot of, they're, they're asking for a lot of permissions. But the hot names, Mike Kafka, Deuce Staley, maybe. Yeah. Steve Spagnolo's name ha- has been bandied about, which uh, interesting. These are all guys that have past relationships. You're, you're, it's going back to a past relationship. I don't see someone new coming in. It's someone that's worked with this organization in the past that they can say, hey, look, you know how it is here. This is how we're going to do it. Yeah, it seems to me that that's the case because I I wonder if they've gotten feedback already from some agents, which could very well be the case that we don't know about, where they're like, look, you know, our our guy's not really that interested in coming to meet with you. 
And that's why they're reaching out to the guys who sort of just know how, how everything is run here. Um, you know, look, I mean, it, for people who are like, oh, Mike Kafka, I, look, if he came in to play quarterback, he probably still would do better than Nate Sudfeld did in the fourth quarter. But look, you know, there's a lot of great for, coaches who were former back. I mean, even Doug Peterson, even though he started, you know, for a year, he was essentially, he was a backup quarterback. He was right? a placeholder. Frank Reich. There's a, there's a history of backup quarterbacks being very good coaches. He's also, remember, he's a Northwestern kid. He's a bright guy. I, I think I I think this is probably the if he's not hired, I feel like this is the first year you're gonna hear about Kafka. And in progressive years, you're gonna hear more and more about him as a candidate if for some if he's not hired this year. Um I still think it's a little bit of a long shot there. Spagnolo, I love the guy. Um absolutely love the guy. I I you know, I mean he ended up being the New York Giant interim head coach. I always thought Coughlin should have walked away a little earlier. He would have been the head coach. I don't know if he's head coach material. He, you know, he's immense. You know, he's immense. He, he's a, he's brilliant. And you're, did I say uh, something funny? Yeah, I got to interrupt this real quick. Oh, yeah. A breaking text message. Yeah. Urban Meyer is expected to take the Jacksonville Jaguars head coaching <laughs> job by the end of the day, according to reports. This is from New Jersey Advanced Media, mind you. Yeah. Uh, there is speculation that a former Ohio State assistant coach is going to make the jump. No. Join him in Jacksonville. This is unbelievable. As what? A and ball boy? Defensive coach. Oh. <laughs> Chris Ash is expected to join the Jacksonville Jaguars staff. Captain Cargo Pants. Yeah, oh my God, that is unbelievable. Is going to get a professional job. Oh man, sorry. Man. Continue, uh, Mensa. No, I think we have. To, I think we have to. Philly guy, uh, cheese steaks, hoagies. Yeah, I, I think Spagnolo is a uh, is a really good defensive coordinator once he gets his guys. But I, I think sometimes he's almost too smart for his own good. Um, and it's he gets it's a little difficult for him to connect with everyone. Um, great guy. I just I don't see it though. So the cuz would love it. Cuz is all over it. I'm sure. Uh, let's talk about pros and cons here of the Eagles' job, and because this is going to kind of trickle down how it relates to some of the other openings. If you're looking at you already kind of you kind of mentioned I think uh, all, all many of the negatives. Meddling owner, idiot GM, bad cap situation older roster what else like if you're looking at a, at cons here let's start with the cons what else you're inheriting a quarterback controversy uh as you mentioned the, the if you look at the makeup of the roster that your best players are older players which also then feeds into the cap problems um i gotta tell you i don't i don't the, the pros are you you'd be the head coach of the Eagles, I believe, are amongst. I'm just gonna say I, I'm not. I can't think of an exact number. The top twelve most notable franchises, I believe, in the NFL. It's a rabid fan base. Recent Super Bowl winner. I think that's really where the uh, the pros of this position end. You're gonna get a head coaching job. I can't think of one. 
No, I, 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 you know, because of the quarterback situation, yeah, you don't know what you have, right? Do you have the mental case of Carson Wentz? Yes, you do. Yeah, Jalen Hurts was was okay, so you can't even say there. You have Miles Sanders if you use him. Okay, you have Miles Sanders. Uh, Travis Fulgham came out of nowhere. Could be a decent no, second. Uh, or third I mean, wide I'm, I'm reaching here. I, I I know, and and that's why. Look, you know what else? I I would love. I mean, you know, I wish. You know, you know how there's the all or nothing documentary that we have. Uh, hard knocks over the summer. I would love to, to be able to have one of these interviews recorded. I can you imagine? I bet there is one candidate out there who visited the Eagles, and when they asked them about their situation, uh, I said, "Yeah, um, I I want you guys to draft a quarterback at number six. I don't even I don't want either guy. And by the way, another interesting thing. Now, it makes no sense for Lincoln Riley who. You know, you, you talk about do you want to live in Oklahoma? Whatever. The guy's a guy, he's the most important person in the state of Oklahoma next to JR. And you know, for him to leave to go to Philadelphia made no sense. But the unless as, unless it, it was Jalen Hurts. No, the, the, see, that's what I was gonna get to. I think the fact that he turned it down so quickly is an indictment on Jalen Hurts. By the way, Philadelphia, you don't want Lincoln Riley. Lincoln I, Riley I, is Cliff Kingsbury on steroids. It's, that's exactly. it's the, the air raid. It's, a, it's a version of the air raid. Yeah. Oh, a little bit more pro. A little bit more pro, but it, it's uh, it's multi it's, like, it's multiple. That's the thing really that people have to, to to factor in here from a college coach is who are you getting? You're not getting. Uh, you're not getting a, the guy from Boise State or, or wherever. You're getting a coach from an Alabama, a, a UCLA, right? You know, Oregon when Chip had them running on full full steam. You and I know because we follow college recruiting so closely. Yeah. Uh, Night Talk podcast uh, season one was complete. Great time. Got some stuff coming out, but we follow, we follow college at recruiting very very closely. Alabama, the team that Alabama puts together is better than on some pro teams just based off of the athletes. You know, that's it, it doesn't happen that way, even when you get to the pro level, because guys get dispersed. You know, yeah. to see these guys, what they do, uh, Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, he's getting – he's a top five recruiting class. You're not – he's not going to have that in South Philadelphia. He's definitely not going to have that in South Philadelphia with that idiot Howie Roseman. No, and that's why, actually, I think – you know, like Urban Meyer, we'll talk about that in a minute, I guess. But, you know, if you look at some of the top pros- the top names as coaching candidates from the college ranks, it's program builders. It's actually guys who that's, – there's that's the reason that Greg Schiano and Doug Marone got opportunities in the NFL because it's it's – all right, well, you know what? You guys don't necessarily have the opportunity to get the, the five-star – high-level four-star players, but yet you put together competitive programs. It's the program. That's why Matt Campbell at Iowa State is a very attractive candidate. Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. They're not sexy, but that's, those are the guys who – and that's why um, Kirk Ferentz at Iowa every year, people are like, oh, maybe we can pluck in. 
I know you don't like Kirk Ferentz. You're also on mute. Ah, you're you're not on no, mute. No, no, smarmy prick, Kirk Ferentz. So I think it's it's come out that he's smarmy. He's he a, I think I he's a little racially insensitive too. Yeah, he's a dickhead. Uh, so Matt Campbell, these guys, I yeah. don't see them. There's no reason for them to make the jump to the NFL, uh, other than maybe they want to. But uh, Pat Fitzgerald is the is the is one. I think if the Bears fired what's his face Nagy, he was going there. He Next should year. never leave Northwestern. And we 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 watch college football very very closely, so I think yeah. our approach is a little bit different than yeah. just the everyday NFL fan. You, you know, you get these guys like Lincoln Riley. How old is he? 33? 34? He's in he's in his mid thirties. In, in Oklahoma, he's a god. Yeah. Only I, I can only imagine what he's doing in Oklahoma. Good for him. Why would yeah. you? Like no, I look. I to me, the only guy who you know, there's reports that he really wants to get in the NFL uh, is Dan Mullen from Florida. Who I, I'll pass. I mean, I'll again, I, it, yeah, it, it's well, and that's why I, I, whenever you want to get into it, it's we're going to get into Meyer things doomed to fail. We are going to wrap up the Eagles section here and uh, appreciate everyone who is listening on Section 247 Show at SEC 247 Show. Uh, this is part of the new SEC two, uh, new Section 247 Show Today feature. Uh, once, twice, three times a week, uh, I will be popping on and we'll be talking about the greatest and most happening things in the world of Philadelphia sports. Obviously, Doug Peterson's Firing and Eagles' subsequent search is taking that over. Follow that show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SEC247 Show. All right, so let's get into it here. Urban Meyer, Jacksonville. We were going to rank, I, you know, well, let's take that out. Let's rank the current openings and we'll kind of we'll fill it in there. Give me your rankings. Well, I'd probably have to go. Jets, Jaguars. Oh, well, Jets, Jaguars, Chargers are my top three. And are they interchangeable? To me, they're interchangeable. Well, because you, you I would put the Jags first, except I don't like the whole thing of in a normal world, they're going to be playing in London. They're looking to well, be like this half well, European team. I don't know. I, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. But you, all right. So, Sorry to interrupt. So go go ahead. No, 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 it's fine. Um, so to me, I kind of view them in like tiers, where you have Jaguars, Jets, Chargers, Jags, and Jets because you have top picks, you have a lot of uh, draft capital, you have a lot of cap room. Chargers because you already have your guy, and he's young, and he's on a rookie contract. That's why I don't have the Texans up there because, and, and frankly, so they got their GM. They have that vice president who was like a former – he's a, he's a religious guy. Um, we'll talk about him more in the offseason, uh, Easterby. And he kind of, he basically is controlling this entire organization. You have uh, a racially insensitive owner. Your, your star quarterback is unhappy. He wants out. And, again, he, but he's not on a rookie deal. So, to me, that's kind of a mess. J.J. Watt, I think, kind of wants out, frankly. Um, so, that you know – Falcons aging quarterback decisions. Then you have the Falcons and the Lions. 
And then I, I honestly, I'd put the Eagles last. Um, you know, just because you don't have an aging quarterback decision, you have it because there it's almost easier because he's on the tail end. Carson Wentz, you have an issue, and it's do you want to cut? Do you want to nip it in the butt and then face the cap consequences, or do you ride with him and he's just he just never is able to recapture the magic he once had? You have Jalen Hurts, you have you have all these cap issues, older roster. Howie Roseman. Honestly, I'd put the Eagles last. I agree with you. I agree with you there. So I, I think, to me, kind of mentioned why I think the top three are interchangeable uh, because of the quarterbacks. So obviously no quarterback, technically speaking, with the Jets, but the the draft pick is there. Obviously, Yeah, the draft capital. Yeah, the, the number one pick. You can have your pick of your quarterback. And I think that the Chargers – from the standpoint of a team right yeah. now, they could be the number one because you can – I, the right guy comes in, they might be able to win right away. When yeah. I win, I'm not saying win a Super Bowl, 10 and 6, playoffs, they, they're a year removed. I kind of think that Anthony Lynn got a little bit screwed there. But that's The only problem is um, you're in the Chiefs division and you're going to have to deal with Patrick Mahomes for the next eight to nine years. That's why they have an expanded wild card. It's okay. Yeah, but I mean, it. Look, the Chiefs are going to be the prohibitive favorites to win that division for the next nine years. And yeah, I mean, look, wild cards get in, they get hot, they win the Super Bowl. But you want to you want to host a game. I mean, you know, you just spent, you know, that you're you're playing in like a six billion dollar stadium. You'd like to have a game played in it, uh, a postseason game. So. I think that's maybe one of the little drawbacks to that. Well, maybe position. they can go to the Super Bowl. You, you, they could go to the Super Bowl. Look, again, there are there are ways, you know, to go get the trophy. I agree. It's just it, it's making it harder because you got to play that team tw- twice a year. Right. So let's talk about Jacksonville as we read in, as I interrupted the Eagles discussion there. Uh, Urban Urban Meyer. Yeah, uh, I, I think this is, I, I, I think this is a mistake. I, I'm not a fan of it. I don't think he is a guy who translates to the NFL. Um, his offense, it, it's a college offense to me. Uh, you know, think about, think about where he's been and what you know the kinds of offenses he's run. Um, also, to me. I don't think Trevor Lawrence fits with that. His his offense typically involves. Now, I mean, he's adjusted it a few times. You know, for instance, when um, what was it, Braxton Miller, and what was the other the other Ohio State quarterback that hurt his ankle against Michigan, and then Cardell Jones came in and they won the playoffs for whatever um, reason. His name, his name is escaping me right I, now. I, I can't remember either. It, it was yeah, I, I I was up really late last night binging a TV show. Uh, I guess maybe one time Mike Mike and I might be talking about that on another uh, podcast. On in the flight, this perfectly fits in the flight. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's an in the flight one, or maybe yes, Cobra Kai. So, send it, send yes. it to the internet. <laughs> to the internet. So, um, anyways. So when Cardell Jones came in, because he was not as mobile, he did, uh, you know, 
he, he did cater the offense to him, but I, I just don't see it being a great fit. It, and he's another guy who was always used to getting, and to his credit, was a great recruiter. Being an NFL head coach is not about being a recruiter. He's not selling the horseshoe. He's selling Duval County in Jacksonville, which it's not a rabid thing. You got people swimming in the end zone. It's, you know, I don't know. I, I, I do not. He could sell. I'm using the Chargers again as the example. Yeah. He could sell L.A. Yeah, they're, quote, unquote, the second fiddle team, but you could sell that. You're right. Like, you you have an owner that's willing to invest, obviously, in in uh, in, in uh, Shad Khan and, and and Tony Khan. Yeah. I, I don't know. I agree with you. I, I I just look at this. I think this is going to be another flame out. There was a discussion on. Uh, it's a great Facebook group, uh, a football world, and. Mm-hmm. It was who was the last college coach that kind of really made the jump and was successful. And there was an yeah, argument uh, about what's his face up there in Seattle, uh, smarmy prick, Pete Carroll. But he was an NFL coach prior was, to that. was the other argument was, oh, well, he's a pro guy. Like Jimmy yeah. Johnson was the last guy. Wow. Uh, um, that had no professional no. before. Oh, uh, well, didn't Jimmy John? Well, okay, here's one Tom Coughlin was an assistant in the pros, then went to Boston College. Uh, well, so do you count assistant experience in the pros? What, what, what was he? What, what, what Was he a linebacker coach? Was he the, the get-back coach? He was the running back coach for the Eagles. He was, and Then he was a wide receiver coach for the Giants and won – when they won Super Bowl twenty five, yeah, see, that's too that's too much pro experience. It wasn't like he was there for a year and then left, kind of kind of deal. It's like four years in the NFL. Yeah, see, that's a pro guy. That's a pro guy that that went. Okay, to I, I didn't know. Yeah, I don't. You know, it, it's it's worth because um, that was the only other one I could think of coming from Boston College. I, I mean, look, Bill Bill O'Brien doesn't count. He he was a, a long he was time a pro guy, right? So yeah, uh, who it begs the question. Who, yeah, who, I, I, I'm going to have to do a little more research. Yeah. And Nick Saban didn't work. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to do a little more research with that. Um, well, Matt Rule has one year. but Even Matt Rule was an assistant. I mean, he's got a ring with the Giants. A longtime NFL assistant. Yeah. So, um, now, well, yeah. So, it, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I, I, and then, you know, there are times when I – Barry Switzer could be, I, but I think Dallas fans will always argue like he literally was handed. Uh, Super I, Bowl I, I, know what, yeah, yeah, I know what happened. Yeah, it's just, yeah. but it's just in, it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah, um, yeah. We're going back to Urban Meyer. I just I don't see it. Um, look, and and then I know you know you and I laugh because he, the word is that he's going to be bringing Chris Ash with him. Um, I, I really, I just, from a football mindset, I'm not overly impressed with Chris Ash. Um, the guy, I, I don't find him to be particularly, I, I find him just to be very passive in all things. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see it. And, you know, if I mean, like if I'm Trevor Lawrence, it's nothing where I'm, I'm going to, uh, 
you know, uh, pull an Eli Manning, but I don't know. I don't see this working out. I no, like I, I agree with you. Some of the other names, the, the, the search for kind of the big name, like the Jets, I know they, they, uh, they have a couple interviews, but it, it seems like maybe the, the rest of the league is waiting for the next set of coaches to become available. Your Jim Caldwells are getting interviews or your Marvin Lewis's Jim Caldwell should have a job. Uh, th- there's no reason he shouldn't. We, we've yeah. been down that road. I think this thing's going to heat up in, a, in about a week or two. I, I, there's that. Robert Sala is probably one of the hot candidates. So, but I also think it's always it's always about teams are waiting for someone to set the market to. There's that. Well, now you're going to get a false market from Jacksonville. Yeah, so it's not even a real marketplace. Well, <laughs> that's a good point. But I think there's. I, I think you know. Whatever it is, the other guys are going to come in lower. Um, so I, I think Salah is probably the next one. Although, and then it, it's so strange because, as you talk about, there's a lot of hot candidates that um, are still coaching. And it really depends upon which teams lose. I mean, do you realize, you know, take the Buffalo-Baltimore game. Buffalo loses, you got Dayball. Baltimore loses, you got Don Martindale. So, like, right there. That's why right after the Titans lost, Arthur Smith had, like, five interviews. And he's another hot candidate. So, you know, it's really interesting in that regard. Um, You know, I I do think that some of the candidates out there right now are, quote-unquote, live candidates. Uh, But it always seems like they're all waiting around for someone to just pull the trigger. I was a little surprised that the Jets, and that's where I gave the uh, the Panthers a lot of credit last year. The Panthers had Matt Rule in their building, and then he was going to go to the Giants. And basically, uh, Robert Tepper, their owner, made him an offer he couldn't refuse, not with a gun, just with money, and didn't let him leave the building. The Jets, I thought they were going to do that with Robert Sala this year and just be like, you're not leaving the building. You're our head coach. What is it going to take? But they didn't do that. So it, yep, it, he, went to, he went to he went to meet with the Eagles. Let's talk about some of the, the firings and where these guys have ended up. Uh, Dan Quinn was fired uh, from Atlanta, ends up as the DC in Dallas. I actually really like that move for yeah. for Dallas. Gus Bradley, this was a guy that I was hoping would end up in Philadelphia, maybe as a defensive coordinator, is the defensive coordinator for the Raiders now. Uh, I, I like his system. These are two guys that I think maybe are just simply uh, coordinators types. Yeah, I would say I like Quinn more than Bradley. I mean, they run very similar systems. Quinn was Bradley's replacement. Um, with Gus Bradley, if you look statistically, I mean – what are you going to get? You're getting, um, you know, cover three defense all the time. You know, one high uh, safety look. I mean, that is what he runs. And I I guess the Raiders are comfortable and, and Bradley is comfortable with the personnel they have or have a plan to get guys to fit that offense. The reason I like Quinn and then the reason I liked how Ken Norton does in Seattle better is I feel like they were just a little bit more multiple with their schemes. Whereas Gus Bradley, it was just so, 
But you got to remember when Gus Bradley was the defensive coordinator with Seattle, he had the Legion of Boom in their prime. He had the original Legion of Boom. It wasn't yes. like he had. It wasn't like LOD two thousand. God rest exactly. Rest, rest in peace, everybody. Uh, yeah. it, it was the legit Legion of Boom or Doom. Yes, or the Road Warriors, whatever you wish to call them. Yeah, no, exactly. So, and it fit that defense perfectly. But you saw as first the original Legion of Boom got older, got injured, and then as some of them left with departures. The defense, I'm not saying that the, it just shows overall flaws in the cover three, but I think Gus Bradley is very strict in his adherence to that to that look in defense. So that's why I'm not overly crazy about him. Uh, I do. I really like the Dan Quinn hire, though. Brian Schottenheimer fired in Seattle. Uh, I mean, someone had to take the fall there. I think that's what it comes down to. Well, I don't. Did you hear some of the quotes of Russell Wilson and your uh, Captain Smarmy? No, I did not. Uh, after the loss to the Rams, so Russell they, they took veiled shots at Schottenheimer. Like I think they're all like, "Well, we're gonna have to throw someone under the bus for this, and it's gonna be Schottenheimer." That's what I like, think. Lack of adjustments, lack of... Oh, he was just the fall it, guy. Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. So he, right. He'll he be fine. the fall guy. He'll end up somewhere else. Uh, also in the world of professional football, uh, Bill Belichick, once again in the news, Bill Belichick turns down the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Did he actually turn it down or just receiving it? Like receiving it in person? Or did he just say... No, no, well... Riot, riot, rioters and treasons, treasonists and terrorists and uh, kiss my ass. I actually have the statement there. Would you like me to read it? Oh, go ahead. I'm gonna okay. have okay. so, uh, so Bill Belichick's statement. Recently, I was offered the opportunity to receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which I was flattered by out of respect for what the honor represents and admiration for prior recipients. Subsequently, the tragic events of last week occurred and the decision has been made not to move forward with the award. Above all, I'm an American citizen with great reverence for our nation's values, freedom, and democracy. I know I also represent my family and the New England Patriots team. One of the most rewarding things in my professional career took place in 2020 when, through the great leadership within our team, conversations about social justice, equality, and human rights moved to the forefront and became actions. Continuing those efforts while remaining true to the people team and country I love outweigh the benefits of any individual award. Actually, I, I have a lot of respect um, for that. I, and, I respect that statement there. Uh, yeah. Look, people can say what they want to say about Bill Belichick. And if anybody reads up on him, like historically, I, that's why I like the guy as a coach. Because, yeah, I, I, yeah did, did he quote unquote cheat? No, he worked the system. Okay. I, I mean, and it helps. Yeah, well, you got to remember, he's a disciple of Parcells. Right, you know, opening the door to the in the Meadowlands and all. You're this. not cheating. You're not trying. I agree with you. I agree wholeheartedly. But what people have to realize is that he is Belichick is a Navy guy too. His father yeah. was tied into Annapolis for ages, and yeah. that's really how he got involved in football. And he's this he's a, a man of history and integrity. I, I appreciate it. I, people can hate on him for all they want. I think it's just he's successful, and that's why people yeah. don't like him. But good for him. Yeah, look, I mean, um, 
not to get uber political, it is known that he, in the past, he's had a relationship with Donald Trump, President Trump, and um, you know that's why he, he was getting this uh, medal. I, I think some of the more recent recipients of that medal have been questionable, and it's tarnished its legacy. Um, and you know, I, I also really appreciate the, the second half of his statement regarding what the team was able to do regarding social justice and and race relations and bringing that to the forefront. So um, I have a lot of respect for that. And, and yeah, and that's something, if you know Bill Belichick, whatever you want to say about the guy, and look, Jet fans hate him. A lot of football people can't stand him because he wins, and he may have cheated on different occasions. But, you know, first and foremost, yeah, he is a, he is a man who believes in uh, the institutions of our government and democracy who has the utmost respect for our armed forces, particularly the Navy. I mean, the Belichick family is revered in the Naval Academy circle. So, yeah, very interesting. We're going to stick with professional football before we go to the college game. Super wild card weekend was last weekend. I really enjoyed the extra game and the whole overall presentation of the weekend. I could deal with triple headers uh, all week, every week. Let's kind of run through it a little bit here. Saturday, Buffalo outlast the Colts. Uh, someone called that one. I'm trying to think who who predicted that. Anybody know? Well, you predicted. Didn't I predict that by score exactly? Oh yeah, that's right. You did actually predict the. You yeah. predicted the actual. We've both predicted the, the Bills winning, but you predicted the actual that score. So we both get a point. I get an extra point for getting the score correct. Yes, that was that was impressive. Rams, was- Rams, the Rams really beat up on Seattle. I guess that's why Brian Schottenheimer was the fall man uh, in, in Seattle. And Somebody Tampa- cor- predi- correctly predicted that upset, if I recall. Who did the Rams game? Yeah, who predicted that? I did. I do not recall. <laughs> Tampa, Tampa just does what Tampa. We knew what Tampa was going to do to Washington on the nightcap. Uh, let's run. Let's talk about this real quick, man. Buffalo. I said this going into last week. Buffalo might be for real. Now this week is a test, obviously, but they are. They're, they're something, man. Josh Allen. So I'm going to sound like a hater on the team that supposedly is my my team, uh, right? Here are the things that I think they're a good team. They are a really good team. Uh, Josh Allen, you know, he's going to be one of the top five quarterbacks moving forward for the next several years. If I'm a Buffalo fan, I'm excited. What really worries me, you couldn't, you know, if it wasn't for some clock mismanagement, the Colts could have tied it up. And you couldn't close out the game. And you also lost Zach Moss um, for the rest of the playoffs. And as I had said, going into the playoffs, their running game isn't great to begin with, and you just lost your best running back. So that's a problem. And the Bills actually signed Devonta Freeman from the Giants. Oh, really? Yeah. So he might be able. He might get some playing time this weekend. That's what, what worries me. You got to run in the playoffs, and they can't. Uh, you do have to run in the playoffs. Let's talk yeah. about Los Angeles and the Rams doing what they did to the the Seahawks. Yeah. Are we, are we getting back to the Rams? I don't know. The Rams are a very up and down team, so I guess they're up this this week and next. Or not maybe not this week, but well, you know, you and I kind of we have very similar value system with respect to what 
makes for a successful football team. And particularly in the playoffs, you can play defense and particularly get after the quarterback. You can run the ball. You're going to win the game. That's exactly what the Rams did. Um, I mean, they just, the, the physicality, particularly that offensive line, they just got after Seattle's D line, beat them up. And then Aaron Donald is just so freaking good. I mean, What's his name? Troy Aikman called him better than Lawrence Taylor. Better than Lawrence Taylor and, and better Reggie White. Which I mean, that that that's calling that's that's calling into uh, you know our territories right there. I don't think that's the case. I first off, I don't. I, I've I've made the argument. I I don't think you can necessarily even compare LT and Reggie White because it's slightly different. Wait, wait, you're saying what? No, you had a no, you had a face. I made what, a gesture. What was the face? Nothing. Yeah, what was the gesture? Debate the greatest defensive player of of all time it, further in the offseason and why it's Reggie White, not Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, well, that's just wrong, but okay. But anyways, if anything, you can probably have a debate about and even then, I don't think you can have a debate on Reggie White and Aaron Donald. It's just different. It, but I, I, I believe Aaron Donald is entering that pantheon. That's what I will say. I would, I would, I would agree with you. And it's, uh, it is a pleasure and an honor to watch that guy play. He was injured, and uh, Sean McVay had a great uh, tweet, and we actually took it and put it on our Instagram at GL Stancia. Uh, they asked him if if he was going to be good, and he's like, "Oh, the Terminator will be good to go," you know. And yeah, he was. He, apparently, he was getting workouts in with his broken ribs. I mean, he's yeah, a, he's an animal. It's an Let's absolute animal. Nightcap. Let's talk about the NFC nightcap real quick. Uh, no surprise that Tampa won, but Washington really did kind of give them a run for their money there. Uh, Taylor Heineke may have found himself a backup job in the future as a number two uh, yeah. monarch. Man, like, look, I it sucks. I, and I, as an Eagles fan, I was really rooting for Alex Smith and Ron Rivera and that story just to go one more week. And yeah. it didn't happen. What that game told me didn't tell me anything about Tampa necessarily. Maybe that they they need to pick it up a little bit, but Washington is going to be a problem if they can get a quarterback. Uh, I, maybe I, I'm, I wasn't overly impressed with Washington. Uh, I think, I mean, not that I was rooting against Taylor Heineke and. But once Alex, they announced that Alex Smith was inactive, I was really bummed because I was rooting for Alex Smith to come in and beat Tom Brady. To me, I thought the game really spoke volumes about Tampa. Unless, you know, when they got word that Alex Smith wasn't playing, they just took off and, and were just on cruise control for the whole night. I was not impressed. And I know people are like, oh, the offense is clicking. Well, that's because once you get past, if you're able to handle the, the Washington Redskins defensive line, the rest of their defense is frankly suspect. So, yeah, Tampa Bay's offense should be able to, you know, withstand some of the you know, defensive pass rush and and deal with that. But I thought Tampa played like shit, and I was not impressed at all. Oh, I, I agree with you that they that they played like shit. Let's uh, move on to Sunday. Ravens defeat the Titans. Saints destroy the Bears. I shouldn't say that they beat the Bears, and then and then the Browns. Just absolutely, I, I I don't I don't know what happened there. We're gonna get to that in a second. Uh, let's talk about Baltimore. It, it was the Lamar Jackson show. Is that sustainable for them moving forward? Um, look if 
I, I think it is so long as their defense can keep them close. And so they got down 10 nothing, but fortunately it was only 10 points and it was still early. Uh, and then you know, Lamar Jackson was like on a third down and he's like, all right, I'm taking the game over. And he hit you know, rush for a touchdown. Uh, I think if they could keep it within two scores, they always have a chance. I do think Lamar Jackson is maturing as a quarterback. I see you know, like he's still not the best pocket passer, but you know, he, he definitely, he's not forcing balls in as much and they're playing really well right now. So I, I think they're tough out. Matchups make everything. The, the one team that they, fortunately, they don't, they're not going to play this week. The one team, which they themselves have called their kryptonite. So uh, I think they're going to look at, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's a really intriguing and dangerous team right now. The Saints, I think, played down to Chicago in the, the middle game of the Sunday. Maybe it was just that they were confused by all the Nickelodeon stuff going on. So were you a fan of the Nickelodeon? I enjoyed the Nickelodeon broadcast uh, more so than the regular NFL broadcast. I were you watching it with the boys? I was watching it with my kids, so that's probably why. Did but, they like it? Uh, yeah, they liked it. They thought it was cool, like with the slime and the uh, in the yeah. end zone, they scored and all that stuff. It looks well, a good. It's a good hook for the fans. For yeah, young- look, I'm all for you know attracting kids to the game at a young age. So you know, I'm not I'm not offended by it or anything. I mean, it, it didn't do anything for me, but uh, you know. Um, but, you know, with respect to the game, I think the, the Bears' defense has been playing better the last few weeks. Obviously, people were crediting the offense, but I thought that the defense kind of came, was starting to regain some of its 2018 form, which I think was also the reason that it wasn't a blowout. Uh, I think the Saints also kind of were in cruise control, didn't do too much. I think also Sean Payton realized he could win the game. He didn't want to put Drew Brees in too much of harm's way. There's that as well. So, yeah, look, the the Bears, look, the Bears are not a playoff team. The AFC had literally had eight good teams who were worthy of making the playoffs. And we've talked about all year, the NFC probably had about five or six. And, you know, the Bears are not one of them. And they, they showed that. They're just, they're inept offensively. Let's talk about inept offensively and let's go to Pittsburgh. Uh, we talked about the Steelers leaking oil for weeks well, yeah. the oil tank just ran out completely. Um, 28 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Uh, yeah. Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland came out, no head coach. Their head coach was sitting home by himself <laughs> in his basement uh, yeah. with no phone, nothing but an HD TV. And they absolutely laid the smackdown on the Steelers. I mean, wow. Well, I mean, it started right from the get-go with Pouncey snapping the ball over Roethlisberger's head. Someone made an excellent point about Roethlisberger, and when the ball was in the – he didn't even dive for the ball. And I don't think that's because he didn't want it. It's because he's so beat up physically and so compromised physically, and that just showed at the end of the season it really came to fruition during this game. You know, I mean, he's – He's not able to scramble. He can't extend the plays he used to. He just chucks it. There was interceptions. He's not taking care of the ball, and it was that was just ugly. They they desperately need. I I think he's done. To me, I don't see how you come back from that. He's physically. He looks so injured. Like I when I watch him, I'm almost in pain. I feel like I need to take Advil, and I'm not the one playing. Um, 
and, and look, credit to the Browns wanted that one. You could tell that was that was a lot of pent up anger and aggression. And you know, the other thing about the the Steelers, uh, did you see the one? I I, I know the, the video has been on a few different Instagram uh, accounts related to like pro football memes or pro football focus. You see, at one point, he couldn't help himself. Juju was dancing like in the middle, like right before a play started. No, I didn't. I didn't see it. He couldn't. Like they broke the huddle, and they had to do like a little thing. It's like this team needs the veteran leadership is gone. Like I mean, this team for so many years had that tremendous veteran leadership from Bettis to Heinz Ward to James Harrison. They don't have that anymore. T.J. Watt's not that guy right now. So I I think it's time to start over. I would agree with you before we get into the divisional round. uh, Rank your uni matchups from this one. I mean, to me, the top two for me were in any order were Cleveland and Pittsburgh and the Colts, Bills. Yeah. my bottom to the Rams in Seattle, it was just, uh, you know, and the Titans, I hate their uniforms anyway. All right. So my, my, so uh, I'll go six to one, six Rams in Seattle, five Tampa at Washington, um, four Baltimore, Tennessee. I really like the purple pants for Baltimore. That's what, that's what got them over the Tampa game. Three Chicago and new Orleans, uh, two Cleveland and Pittsburgh, one Indianapolis at Buffalo. Yeah, I would have given Cleveland the nod, the Cleveland Pittsburgh game, if Cleveland had gone with the white pants as opposed to the 1980 cardiac kids look. Fair enough. Uh, real quick, let's run through this weekend divisional matchup. Let's stick with that. Let's stick with Cleveland and and they're going. Ooh, they're going to Kansas City. Um, do you leave Kevin Stefanski in the bunker? Do you know, there are certain teams that are so, and certain organizations that are so superstitious that they would probably do that. Um, like he's the head coach. I think he's earned the right to be able to, to be on the sideline, but um, you know, whatever works for you. And this is, this is just a tough matchup. I think that unfortunately they are just undermanned against what is the best team in the NFL. So, so you're saying uh, little to no chance of knocking off the Chiefs. There's always a chance. Look, there's always a chance. And the, like the one thing that Cleveland has, which I do like, they have a running game. They need to if, – if Cleveland – Cleveland will win this game if they somehow approach close to 40 minutes of time of possession, which is doable. It's tough. Interesting. But that's what you got to do. But let's talk Drew Brees and Tom Brady three as they are billing it on Fox. That's uh, that's the night game. What's your what's your thought? Their thoughts here. Tampa have enough to to shut down the Saints, or is this kind of just maybe going to be the Tom Brady swan song? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I believe a lot of the experts are already picking the Bucks. Uh, I think that's because you know the the Saints handled the Bucks during the two games during the regular season, but I, I was not impressed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the way they played against Washington. Um, I don't think you could just turn it on either. To me, you know, you, you can you, you see how a team trends. You know, they trend upward, they trend downward. 
I don't see this team. They're like, oh, the offense is peaking. To me, if the offense was peaking, you know, they would have put up 40 or 50 on Washington. I, I was not, I just was so unimpressed. I don't see how they go into New Orleans, you know, where they don't have the benefit of, of in, Tampa, in Tampa, at least there's some fans. Or I, I just don't see it. I, I still think uh, Drew Brees. But then again, you know, the only thing that is the that gives me pause is Sean Payton and Drew Brees seem to, except for in 2009, at some point in the playoffs, they climb up their own assholes and choke. So could, is it this week? Is it next week? It's going to happen. Rams traveled to Green Bay. Go ahead. Well, oh, Green Bay. Yeah. Who's your quarterback? No, no, no. That's not how it works. No, you say Aaron Rodgers. I say revenge tour. No, you. I say Green Bay. You say Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers revenge tour. Yeah. So Aaron Rodgers uh, <laughs> is doing. He's going to do his thing against the, the Rams. Do the Rams have a chance here? You I know, mean, everybody has I, a chance. I, I know. I'm really intrigued but, by this game. Why you have the league's number one offense against the league's number one defense? Uh, but I don't think the Rams defense is. I mean, it's good. It's not one of those, you know, stone cold number one defenses. Uh, so that's the. And to me, the only other issue is Jared Goff is still not quite right. If Jared Goff was healthier, I would real. I really would like the Rams' chances. Uh, they're going to have to run the ball and play defense again. But unlike Seattle, Green Bay is a lot more physical than they were last year. So I, I think I think in the end, Green Bay will be able to pull it off. The only other thing to look out for, and this is also something to look out for in the Browns-Chiefs game, do the Chiefs or Packers, or do they benefit from the week off, or did they lose some mojo, which can happen, So, and we don't know. Jared Veld here. Is uh, this is a cool story? He yeah. he got picked up by the Packers, yeah, playing last week for the Bears. No, he so last week he played for the Colts, the Colts, and, but the and what happened was that he, he because of the unique circumstances regarding the practice squad rules this year, he was a practice squad player on the active roster for the Colts last week playing. So because of that, he was eligible to then be picked up by the Green Bay Packers who need him to replace David Bakhtiari. So he's the first ever guy who's playing in two consecutive weeks of the playoffs with two different teams, which I yeah. think is really cool. It, it is it is pretty cool. Uh, also here at, at Snacks Harrison has been picked up. Uh, congratulations to Snacks. I, I love that guy. He's doodles. I, I love that guy. He's, he's one of my favorite players. Uh, he's definitely not what he was, but particularly against the Rams, I think he will be useful, you know, on first and second downs to try to stop the run and obviously short yarded situations. The the Ravens travel up to Bill's Mafia. This is going to be a good football game. Yeah, I, I'm just this is this is, uh, you know, lace up your cleats, you know, tighten the belt. Let's go. Like, let's just get after it. These guys are going to fly around. You're, you know, you're going to see speed. You're going to see power. This is, this is to me why we love football, why we love the playoffs. This is a great matchup. I love that it's Saturday night. 
this is the best. I, I'm so excited for this. I, I have a cool thing that I'm going to share as I guess I've become the residence bill fan uh, on this year's <laughs> show on our Instagram at GL stand show a little bit later. It was a cool tattoo that I saw that is very Buffalo. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to this game as well. Hey, before we get to college, uh, you have some questions for me. Ah, yes, I do. Well, because we need to know if I'm crazy. Fair enough. So, first one, does Miami go all out and make a trade with Houston for Deshaun Watson? No. They give up two attack of Iloa. They have two attack of Iloa, two picks in the first round, including the third pick, and additional draft capital in the second round as well as next year. You mean to tell me if you're Miami, I'm not sold on Tua. If you can get Deshaun Watson, you have a decent cap situation. Right now, you do that and you get one more wide receiver, that's a whole different team. They're playing this weekend as opposed to sitting in Miami. You wouldn't do that? Oh, I, I am I sold on Tua? Not exactly. I think they're sold on Tua. I think you're nuts. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, and because you have that capital, and we've discussed this, you build the young team around him. Yeah. I, there's something about, you're crazy there. There's something about the fact that Tua was benched twice in half a season. I don't like. I, I think that's the way they were running things, though. Like it was weird because it was like, yeah, we set him down, but he's starting next week. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, I, I'm not sold on him. Which is, I mean, I was very high on him going in, but I'm not sold on him yet. Uh, second, so this one, it's kind of, you know, so Aaron Rodgers, right, is the prohibitive favorite to win the MVP. Revenge tour. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so my question is, Derrick Henry rushed for 2,000 yards. Isn't the 2,000-yard rushing season one of those statistical markers that should immediately warrant an MVP season. It like so. so what is, so what are I, you, my point being like, so, well, yeah. So am, yeah, am I crazy for thinking that it's bullshit that that Derrick Henry isn't the prohibitive favorite? So my point being, in baseball, I think for a while. Correct me if I'm wrong, like 50 home runs was a big deal. Or um, in hockey, X amount of goals or X amount of points. To me, more than anything, I think when, when you think of like a benchmark statistic in a single season, it's 2,000 yards rushing. And he hit that, particularly well, I, in a league that now is a passing league. That, and that. That I agree with you because it is a passing league. I think the 2,000 yards is more impressive, but because more is thrown figuratively and literally at the quarterbacks, uh, it, it's always going to be a quarterback. It always is. I, 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 get, I agree. But to me, I feel like so. My, my thing is a 2,000 yard season should always trump a, any quarterback's season unless they did a paid Manning and broke every record. Aaron Rodgers did not break a, a passing yardage record. He didn't break a passing touchdown record. He didn't break a passing ratings record. And you're going to over now. Yes. The, the MVP award has not yet been given, but Derrick Henry is now out of the playoffs. So there's no chance he rushed for over 2000 yards. To me, that, that is, 
it. He's a part of a unique club. I agree. I agree. So, okay. So, uh, all right. My last one. Uh, going back to Saturday night. Any other team in the NFC East would have beat that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. You're completely, completely crazy. I don't think so. I can tell you one that wouldn't have done it. Oh, why? Your your lasting image of the Eagles is Nate Sudfeld and the entire team well, resting. Because Tam, because Tom Brady would have torn up that Eagles defense, and really? the Eagles offense didn't have it. Wouldn't have had enough to go toe to toe with that. This isn't Super Bowl Fifty Two. Now, would the Giants have had a, a, a the Giants would have beaten that Tampa Bay team? Dallas, Dallas would have probably. So, all right. Well, I, I still I actually think the Eagles would have too. So, but yeah, so I guess I'm crazy. You're crazy. Uh, we are going to wrap this show up. We're going to talk a little bit of college football and the college football championship. Uh, we, The College Football Hall of Fame did announce some of their, their selections. You had a post on our Instagram, at GL Stan Show. Uh, real quick, highlight a couple guys and, and some of your thoughts. Uh, so, yeah, I always think it's kind of cool because you go down memory lane. You got, like, the big names are probably Carson Palmer, who's a Heisman Trophy winner. Um, then there's... Hall of Famer, Andre Tippett, Bob Stoops, the Oklahoma coach prior to Lincoln Riley. Um, one that kind of – Tony Romo made it. I, 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 I don't the know. The Hall of Fame isn't, isn't like the NFL Hall of Fame, though, because there's guys that deserve to be in there. Paul Palmer is a guy from Temple that immediately comes to mind. Nice man, great – had a, a hell of a – had a hell of a career at Temple. And, like, statistically – is one of the greatest, and he got in, but it took forever. Well, here's my other question. I I didn't. So the College Football Hall of Fame is it only for Division One? Is it, obviously it includes one double. It includes FCS, formerly known as one double A. I, I don't know. Does it include? I've been there, and I don't. Because yeah. I remember for a while the the all time leading rusher in NCAA history. You know what. Well, well, by the way, it shouldn't be the guy, uh, Donnell Pumphrey, from, who was an Eagle. It's Ron Dane because he it included Pumphrey's conference championship games and bowl games. If you included Ron Dane's, it's over that. Obviously, I take that one seriously. Uh, but actually, there was a kid from Grove City College outside of Pittsburgh who had even – he had like over a 1,000 yards more than Ron Dane. So I didn't know whether or not they were included. Um, but you know, like, I mean, talk about other people with connections to Philadelphia, Darren Sproles made it. Uh, but I, I just love going, going down memory lane, like Harris Barton offensive tackle, David Fulcher. I don't know if you remember him. It's a monster safety for the Bengals. Uh, Dan Morgan from Miami, uh, CJ, CJ Spiller. I didn't really think he, I mean, he was good. Aaron Taylor, the tackle from Notre Dame. Uh, Andre Tippett, who I mentioned, who was from Newark, New Jersey. Newark really, uh, really just sends a lot of kids to Iowa. It's just a, and then Al Wilson from Tennessee. And it was cool looking up these guys and seeing the old school, uh, some of the neck rolls and the old school looks, you know, with the jersey being tucked in under the shoulder pads with the stomach out. So I, I just like going down memory lane. Let's talk college football championship. Alabama 52, Ohio State 24. Uh, thanks for coming, Ohio State. It didn't matter who you put out there. This was just a – is this the greatest college football team of all time? I think it's a little difficult to judge 
And, and what's amazing is people were talking about how LSU's team last year was, and then you have this year's uh, Alabama team. Uh, th- this is one of the best teams. Nick Saban actually does not think it's one of the most talented. I don't see how that's possible, but wow. I mean, just, it, it was, it was just impressive and it was smooth I, I, for lack of a better term. It was, it was surgical. It, it was just like, Oh, home. We're, we're, we're beating you. I mean, Devonta Smith comes out in the first half, 12 receptions, 215 yards, three touchdowns. Just like bing, bang, boom, you know, like no frills. Unbelievable. Najee Harris, 79 yards receiving, 79 yards rushing, three touchdowns. Patrick Sertan is shutting down uh, Chris Olave. Christian Barrymore is blowing up the Ohio State offensive line. Mac Jones, 36 of 45, 464 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, man, it just – you know, and then on top of me, the one that really impressed me was Jalen Waddle, who had broken his ankle, came back and is playing on the injured ankle. Which, I mean, like they were even saying during the broadcast, like, stop, don't play this kid. He's going to be a first round pick. He might be the, you know, one of these guys might be the Eagles pick at six or the Giants pick at 11. So it was just so impressive. Like, it didn't, Ohio State just couldn't stop him. I felt like they were playing two different games. Like Ohio State was like somehow trying maybe to get to 30. And Alabama hit the cruise control by like the second quarter. So super yeah, impressive. What was more impressive was it was over. Yeah. It was over. Uh, yeah. We talked about Justin Fields. Does this hurt his draft stock at all? Or is this kind of like, oh, whatever? I mean, it obviously didn't help. He, I don't think he made any passes really. Like, ooh. But I mean, you know, there. If you were looking at some of the uh, the replays, there was no one open. I mean, and I think that really, you know. So I think Chris Olave and also the other guy who I think was really hurt by the college football playoffs was Sean Wade, the defensive back for Ohio State. I think to me, you know, I had him as a first round cornerback. I have him now as a second or third round. I think this really hurt him. So, but yeah, he had no one to throw to. He, and he showed his toughness. He showed his athleticism. So, anybody else that this game helped? The, those Alabama offensive linemen. Yeah. The, the, the all, all of Alabama. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Look, I, you know, well, yeah. You know, but those offensive linemen all looked really good. And then shout out to, uh, there was another New Jersey kid, um, John Mechie, the wide receiver. Uh, from Alabama, who for one year played at Petty. So go Petty Falcons. On that note, what we kind of have coming up here is obviously we're going to continue our playoff review. We're going to do some stuff on the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, We're getting our offseason discussions. Uh, We are going to also have some interviews coming up, hopefully, with some uh, local pro players. I know we got some stuff out there in the works. It's going to be fun. I'm Mike. That's Brett. Follow us on social media at GL Stand Show. Be safe. If you can get the vaccine, just get the vaccine so we can all go back to watching football in person and enjoy the weekend. Uh, Not super wild card weekend, but it is what it is. It's divisional round.